In addition to our reading from Psalm 90 that we experienced in the call to worship, our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. For it is, if, it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy of a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave... Throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus does a lot of preaching. Matthew's Jesus loves to tell stories, to instruct, and to inspire. The writer of this Gospel, often characterized by scholars through his penchant for organization, structures Jesus' ministry throughout the gospel with what are called five major discourses set off from the narrative. The first one of these is perhaps the best well-known and one of the most distinctive elements of Matthew's gospel. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Many of our most beautiful sayings and teachings of Jesus come from this section. 
the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Turn the other cheek, the Lord's prayer, the golden rule. These all come in the first of Jesus's discourses. In them, Jesus gives clear instruction on all sorts of areas of life and also provides messages of comfort, hope, and encouragement. Our passage for today, just like the one that Vanessa preached on last week, is from the final of these five discourses that Jesus gives in the Gospel of Matthew, and the tone is quite different. Jesus' focus here is instead on the coming of the apocalypse and the final judgment, the necessity to be prepared and to be watchful. In this parable, the master gives each of his servants a different sum of talents, which are enormous sums of money, and then leaves. Two of the servants go out and trade with theirs, each doubling the money with which they had been entrusted, and they are praised by the master upon his return. The third servant, however, as we heard, buries his in in the ground for safekeeping out of fear of the master. And in response, he is called wicked and lazy and sent out into the darkness alone. In fitting with the tone of this whole final discourse, the parable ends on a note of warning and foreboding. The traditional interpretation of this parable, uh, which was demonstrated so well by Alex a few minutes ago, is that the talents represent the unique gifts that God gives us to contribute to our churches and our communities. The parable, then, is a message about boldly making use of those gifts rather than hiding them or keeping them to ourselves. It becomes a commentary on stewardship, on using our gifts for the good of God's kingdom. But sometimes this interpretation, as scholar Mark Douglas points out, misses out on the importance of the story's location within Matthew's narrative. Because Matthew cared a great deal about logical and thematic organization, it is important for our understanding of this story that we look at where Matthew placed it. What does it mean that Matthew put this story about the use of talents in the midst of a sermon about the final judgment and the coming of God's kingdom? This week, I've been thinking a lot, as I'm sure you all have as well, about the chaos in the world around us. COVID-19 and growing viral spread across the country, the isolation of quarantine and the disappointment of canceled events, trips, and holiday gatherings, the tumult of a close, drawn-out presidential election and an unsettled transition of power in our nation's government, and the continuing plague of racism and white supremacy in our nation. I think about phrases that we have likely all been hearing, wanting to get back to normal, feeling nostalgic for all that we took for granted, and all the ways in which our lives were different and easier before. These thoughts might be comforting and tempting, but the truth is that we cannot simply go back and pretend that the events of 2020 have not happened. That just isn't how the world works. And even if we could, for those of us who are able to return to normalcy, to settle for what we have, to do so, we would have to choose not to see the injustices and the difficulty that continues around us, just like the erasure that Vanessa talked about. 
For many Americans, black Americans, indigenous Americans, and other people of color in this country, before was simply not good enough. COVID-19 may be new and hopefully temporary, but lack of adequate health care has existed and continues to exist regardless of the pandemic. Essential workers are underpaid and under-respected. Service workers often do not earn a living wage and are forced to come into work sick or to forego much-needed paychecks. Parents struggle to figure out how to support their children's learning and how to balance parenting and working. People of color are disproportionately impacted and struggle for survival and care. These are issues that are being felt more deeply and in a more pronounced fashion because of the pandemic, but they are certainly not new. These issues have always existed, and some of us have just been privileged enough not to have to face them. Apart from the reality of COVID-19, the same is true of 2020's big cultural conversations, issues of racism, of police violence, of abuse of power at the highest levels of our government. Regardless of who sits in the Oval Office, whether we pay attention to these issues or not, they will continue to exist. So what then can we hope for when 2020 comes to an end? when COVID-19 is brought under control. The news this week came out that Pfizer's vaccine is testing incredibly well, and it may be that finally an end is in sight. But what then? Should we all try to go back to our comfortable lives? The truth is that we cannot all do so. The issues that I have mentioned will persist for many, and for some 240,000 Americans and their grieving families, back to normal is no longer a possibility. Going back is not an option. These are the realities that have been presented to us, and they are now our responsibility. So in this parable, the master presents each servant with an amount of money and tells them to care for it. Two of the servants go out and trade with the talents that they are given. Rather than settle for meeting the basic requirement of the master and protecting what they have been given, they boldly go out to see what can be done with it. They seek opportunity for improvement and they find it. The third servant is instead content to hold his one coin and settle. He hides it and goes about his life. What might it mean to imagine this parable as demonstrating our choices when we are faced with the realities of this imperfect world? Scholar Lindsay Armstrong points out that in this story, the master chooses to limit his own power by leaving his property for a period of time. He just leaves, and the responsibility falls to the servants to take care of it in his absence and hope that he will be pleased with them when he returns. In the same way, God entrusts us with the ability to make choices for our lives. We can look at the world we have inherited, society with its inequality, its violence, its hurt, and its poverty, and we can decide what we are to do with the time and the talent that we are given. The choice is left up to us. 
The beginning of Psalm 90, as we heard pieces of in the call to worship in our first hymn, reminds us that God is everlasting and infinite. God has always existed and will always exist. By contrast, we, as God's created beings, are finite, limited. We only get so much time to experience this world that God created and to make our mark on it. Psalm 90 verse 10 says, The days of our life are 70 years or perhaps 80 if we are strong. Even then their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. I'm reminded of another quotation, this time from one of my favorite fantasy series, The Lord of the Rings, when Frodo tells Gandalf that he wishes the ring of power hadn't come to him and that he hadn't experienced this suffering in his lifetime. Gandalf responds, so do I, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Our days are limited, as are our abilities. Not just our individual lives, but our collective human life as we know it. This whole speech of Matthew's Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is coming. Immediately after this parable, Jesus describes the final judgment with another parable, as with a king separating sheep and goats. Those who will inherit the kingdom are those who feed the hungry, who welcome the stranger, who clothe the needy, care for the sick, and visit the captives. God might step back and allow us to take responsibility for our actions, but God is not uninvolved. God observes the ways in which we interact with our world, and when we act out God's love, we bring the kingdom ever closer. What we do in this world matters. What we do here in this limited time has a purpose, an end goal, the coming of God's kingdom. In our actions or in our inaction, we decide daily whether or not to work towards the manifestation of the kingdom in our world here and now. So what if in this time of hardship, of fear, of chaos, and of pain, Instead of simply waiting for a return to normal, we took stock of what we have and then used that to seek out the ways in which God is calling us to change our world for the better. The ways in which society could be restructured, the ways we could adapt our government, our churches, our everyday lives to provide more for more people and to ensure that no one goes without Imagine the difference we could make if we took what the world gave us and refused to settle for it, seeking instead to reinvent our world in love. This world is often unfair because human hands influence it at every step of the way. Each of us is given different privileges, different abilities, different responsibilities. But whether we receive five talents or one, the kingdom of God provides all an opportunity. This is the opportunity to look at the world before us, to learn all that we can, and to understand it in its greatness and its brokenness, and then to make a choice. Do we settle for what we have? Protect our situations with fear and worry? 
carefully guarding so that nothing changes? Should we be content with the sum before us, hide it away carefully and continue on with our lives? Should we be happy to go back to normal, content as long as we're provided for and can live a life that we enjoy? Or do we go out boldly, seeking the places in this world where there is change to be made, investments to be gained, equality to be earned, and love to be carried out? Do we take what God has entrusted us with and go out in courage, unafraid of losing it all, and willing to put everything we have on the line to make our world better than it was when we were given it? May it be so. Amen.